Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And so if you've been coming along with us in on the story of Gideon, we're actually transferring out of Gideon uh, today. But I want to highlight something from Gideon that's going to launch us into the rest of Scripture. If you guys remember, Gideon, when he got the word of the Lord, it resonated with his heart, right? And he needed to do something. When you encounter God, it needs to lead to obedience. Now, God said, you're the mighty man of valor. You're going to deliver all of Midian. Was he ready to deliver all, I mean, sorry, deliver the Israelites from the hand of Midian? Was he ready to deliver an entire nation? Okay. We said this before, if you're hearing God about the dreams he has for your heart, they're going to seem stupid, they're going to seem ridiculous and too far out there. And when I have a dream that's ridiculous and too far out there, what does it make me feel? Lost? Lost? Inadequate? Inadequate? Huh? Distant? Crazy? Crazy? (laughs) Hopeless? Paralyzed. Paralyzed. All of the above. And when I'm paralyzed and I'm hopeless and I don't see the point, what do I do? Nothing. Nothing. Sit there. Hopeless, right? Okay. Now, obviously, that's not what God's going for. Can I just say that? Can we agree with that? If God is showing you his plans for your life, it's not to make you despair unto death, but he wants us to despair in our own ability. But... It requires an action. Now, God is going, if God is calling us to obedience, what is he going to use for that obedience? What's in our life already? Do you guys remember Gideon? What did Gideon do in response to the angel showing him the plan of God for his life? He said, wait here and I'll come back. What did he come back with? You didn't know there was a test. (laughs) He came back with a goat, the meat of a goat, and he came back with tons of bread and broth. And he basically, all he came with what he had. He gave what he had. He gave what he had. Now, who here, when you hear the plan of God, you look at what you have and you go, that ain't much. A little bit later, you guys remember, God's like, okay, I've, this, this plan is working out. You had 32,000 to take on 135,000 troops. Now you have 10,000. Now you have 300, right? Right? So what did Gideon have? He had 300 men. And wait, God's like, you've forgotten. You've forgotten in your inventory. You forgot. You've also got trumpets. And, oh, jars, don't forget the empty jars, the waste paper. <laughs> empty jars. Oh, oh yeah, and, and you've got some, some torches. Good. Glad we kept the, the uh, we did the inventory. <laughs> and God goes, let me see, 300 plus trumpets, empty jars, and torches. Yeah, that's greater than 135,000. I have a question. Do you have God on your side? Don't blink. I'm going to come for you. I am coming for you. 
You're not going to be able to hide from me. Lock the doors. We're got, all right. I'm telling you because that's you said it. We've got he's got God on his side. That is exactly the missing component. God. Do you want a life that you can do? No. Apart from him, I can do nothing. So 300 plus this equals that. Okay. So. We have another one. You guys remember Moses chapter three. Moses had heard the call of God at 40. You are going to deliver the Israelites from the hand of the Egyptians. This is going to be amazing. And, and uh, Moses said, I, I, and started to kill one Egyptian at a time. <laughs> Did not work out. Run on the run from the law. Who here? You heard the plan of God and you began to work it out in your own strength. And there he is on the backside of the wilderness, 80 years old, spent 40 years becoming the best shepherd possible. And God goes, go. You notice how God always seems to start in the middle of the story? He doesn't, he straight just go. You're my, I, I didn't stutter 40 years ago. I said, go, let's go. And Moses goes, ah. What will I tell them? He said, tell them my name. What's your name? My name is I am. All right, I need a little bit more, Lord. Okay, fine. God gave him the plan. He's like, but how will I know that it's you? When I, when I come before them, how am I going to be able to know that you are, you, you are leading me and you've brought me out? He said, what's in your hand? Now, who are, who are my hikers? Anybody got a special hiking stick? So the funny thing is, if you've seen the desert of Midian, all it is is scrub. You can't find a straight stick for anything. Men, who, who are my men? Like you're out camping and you start to whittle or you play with sticks or whatever. This, he's out there on the backside of the wilderness forever and he finds himself a straight stick. I don't know, maybe it took him 10 years to find it. But you know he polished that thing. He used, because it was his number one tool against wolves, against mountain lions, against lions. He, it was his number one tool for whacking sheep to keep him in line. It was the sign of his trade. He'd been working on this stick. This stick was special to him. God said, what's in your hand? Now I have a question. Was Moses called to be a shepherd? No. Yes and no. So here's the deal. God wastes nothing in your life, but he uses it in ways you don't think he's going to. Does God need this thing? No. Does Moses think he needs this thing? Yeah. Moses invested 40 years in this thing. Mm -hmm. And God says, what's in your hand? And he goes, stick. <laughs> and God says, what does he tell him to do? Throw it, down. Throw it down. And when he does, it turns into a snake. Yeah. Poisonous snake. Exactly. <laughs> you know... Many times, only when we surrender what God has given us, do we discover that it has been transformed into a venomous snake in our own hands. Only when we surrender it, do we realize it was trying to kill us. Because as I said last week, the gift of God in my own hands can enslave me if it's not surrendered to God. And so he throws it down, he surrenders it, and he's there as a venomous snake. God goes, awesome, awesome. 
Good. You got it? That, isn't that cool? He's like, ah! He says, great. Now, you were so faithful to throw it down, I want you to pick it back up. Now, who are my snake people? Now, there is a right end and a wrong end of a snake. Now, now, normally, in my mind, I'd be like as far from the teeth as possible. But anybody know something about snakes? If you pick them up by the tail, what can they do? Yep. They can swing around, bite you in the leg, wherever. So what you have to do is you normally, is you take a stick, you press down the back of its head, and you grab it right behind the back of the head, and you hold its head, right? And God, so that's what God told Moses to do. God said, pick it up by the tail. God, I hate to tell you how to do your job, but as a professional desert shepherd, I need to intervene. But God says, pick it up by the tail. Why? Because you think you know what I've given you. You think you understand how to use what I've given you. You don't know Jack Diddley. Pick it up by the tail. And when he does, it becomes a staff again. It's no longer dangerous to it. He said, now you're ready to be my shepherd. <laughs> you guys remember in uh, 1 Kings 17, Elijah had just done the, he had the moment, he had you know, told the, the uh, king, it will never rain until I say so, because you have defied God. And what happens? He forgets he needs to eat too. <laughs> but God hides him in a stream down in the wilderness, feeds him with uh, bread from ravens, which is totally crazy. Except, you know, there, I've said this before. Do you know there's a guy in New York City who trained ravens to bring him change? And he makes like a million dollars a year. It's like something stupid. Like he literally, he trained them. He'll trade crumbs of bread for coins. And so the ravens and the crows in New York City make good money for him. So he was like, I think, I don't know if he was reading his Bible or what, but I'm just saying. Anyway, and so, so anyway, but then the creek runs dry. Anybody here, you follow Jesus and the creek ran dry? Okay. God's not scared even if we are. And God leads him to a, he said, I am sending you to a, a woman that I've prepared for you. I've, she's ready for you. This widow woman, I've prepared her for you. And Elijah comes out and says, yo, woman, give me something to eat. And she goes, hmm? what? She's like, you don't understand. Does she sound prepared? No. She said, I have a handful of flour and I have a tiny bit of oil left. And do you know what? I, you know what? I'm planning to make a cake, a little piece of bread for me and my son. We're going to eat it and die. Does she sound prepared? God says she was prepared. Who do you think is right? It's not a trick question. God always wins. God's always the right answer, right? Okay, so here's the deal. He, she says, I'm not, I have nothing. I don't have anything. I'm, I'm going to die. And Elijah's like, well, if you're going to die anyway, why don't you share it with me? <laughs> so, sometimes our sacrifice is, well, I was going to die anyway. 
it, but it's all that I have. She put, makes a cake with it, makes some bread, shares it with Elijah, gets over her offense, <laughs> and guess what? The oil and the flour never run out for the whole time of the famine. What's in your hand? I can't say yes to you, God, because I don't have enough as it is. Well, if you're going to die anyway. <laughs> What's in your hand? The great thing is God never repeats himself ever. But sometimes he gets creative. You know, there was the crossing of the Red Sea. Then there's crossing of Jordan. Similar but different. Elijah's disciple, Elisha, is in the middle of a situation and he goes to a widow woman and he says, give me something to eat. And she says something very similar. But he says to her, he said, what you got? She's got, I got a tiny bit of oil and all my empty jars. <laughs> oh, I, I haven't been keeping track. I haven't been keeping track. So we got, we got 80-year-old, 80-year-old plus stick <laughs> plus God equals deliverance of millions. We've got, uh, let's see, widow plus flour and oil. equals never-ending supply. This time, we have widow plus empty jars. He says to her, he says, well, listen, why don't you go find as many empty jars as you can? So do you know what she was probably doing? Digging around the trash heap? Going to the neighbors? She gathered them all. Like, what you want empty jars for? Nothing. She began to pour out the oil. And the oil did not stop until she ran out of empty jars. And in a moment, she went from being penniless to being the number one oil dealer in her city. <laughs> I told you how valuable oil was in their time. What do you have? When I surrender my understanding, when I surrender the little I have, when I don't, when I surrender my right to do an inventory of my life, because I would never have included empty jars. They seem to be real common. God is good at using trash. Just saying. Oil deal. The empty jars over and over again. You know, we look at David. What did David have? Boy plus stones. And a slingshot. And God. Greater than Goliath. But not just Goliath, because when he beat Goliath, they beat the entire armies of the Philistines the most technologically advanced army of the time. They beat with rocks. Apparently rocks beats bazookas. 
But that's where I wanted to bring us to today, is if you have Bibles, I want you to open to Mark chapter 6. We're not going to leave Mark today. Mark chapter 6, verse 30. It said, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. And then because so many were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Who, who are my people? That's like the word of God over my life. Right? So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Quick sidebar. Whose idea was this? Jesus. Jesus, right? Does Jesus have good ideas? Yeah. If Jesus is, has this idea, wouldn't you think it'd pan out? Hopefully. Okay, I'm going to put something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put something in your pipe for you to smoke it, okay? Try this on. If Jesus' plans don't work out exactly as planned. Okay, who here, you get a plan, hopefully from Jesus, and then it starts to go off the tracks. What's your reaction? This is the wrong plan? Panic? Yeah, what, what went wrong, right? Like, what, right? I didn't hear, bail, right? Here's the deal. Let me just tell you. Here's why plan, number one reason why plans go off track. It actually tells us how it went off track. How did it go off track? Other people. <laughs> not going off yet. No, good. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? The number one reason plans go off track is other people. So what you're saying is, I need to vote everybody else off my island. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you serve a creative God who can even work when people make decisions that are contrary to the plan. Okay, let me say that again for the people in the back. <laughs> you serve a creative God who is able to work in the contrary choices of other people into the larger plan. If we will surrender the plan. Okay. Just saying. If Jesus had to deal with this. Just saying. So they went, okay. So when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion. Wouldn't he do that? Gosh, that God. He just always has compassion on people. Just horrible. Jesus, I have needs. We do not have time to stop. Because they were sheep, like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. And by this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him and they said, this is a remote place. And he, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away because we're so compassionate. So that they can go to the surrounding villages and leave us alone. And buy themselves something to eat. And get back with the plan. Who here are my people? When the plan goes off, it's okay, Jesus. I got this. Nobody? Nobody? Like, you're going to help Jesus out. And if it involves killing a few people, that's okay. Moving on. All right. I mean, let them starve on the way, whatever. But he said, you give them something to eat. By the way, the most dangerous thing you can do is have a conversation with Jesus. 
because he always twists the conversation around and doesn't do what I want. It's very annoying. They said to him, that would take... <clears throat> Who here has tried to reason with Jesus? Yeah, it works great. <clears throat> Jesus, I, I don't uh, like to tell you this, but um, let's see. We've got 5,000. That's just adults, uh, men. So probably 15,000 women and children and all of that. 15,000 people. We've got 15,000 people. And let's see. To be able to pay for all of that food... Uh, let's see. They said that would take more than half a year's wages. Let's just say, uh, let's say uh, it, it comes out. I think I, I did the math at one point. It comes out to about thirty-two thousand dollars. So uh, that's uh, let's see, plus thirty-two thousand dollars. Okay, all right. Just to help God understand how bad the problem is. Who here is really good at helping God to understand the magnitude of the problem? You know, the worst thing is trying to get God impressed with our problems. He is very annoying. <clears throat> and what does he say? He goes, he says, okay, what do you have in your hand? He says, he says, are we, he says, how many loaves do you have? What does he say? How many loaves do you have? And then he knows they don't know the answer, do they? He says, go and see. Why? Because they would have already, hmm. if they were expecting a miracle, they would have been already ready. He says, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. Let me just say this. The first thing you need to understand is you don't even know what's in your hand. Because you're not counting empty jars and trash. You're not, you don't even know what you have in your hand until you go and see. Because we start with the magnitude of the problem and the absence of resource. Absence of relationship. Ab absence of options. He says, how many, when I, he said, when they found out, they said, five loaves and two fish. Now I have a question for you. There are 15,000 people. Do you think that's all they had? I'm just being real. They probably had a lot more. Why didn't they know more, the more? What do you think it was? People were hiding it? A lack mentality? What? First thing they came across. They're like, this will shut him up. Nobody? Nobody? You talk with God and you like just kind of phone in the answer. You well, okay, fine. We looked, took two steps, found this kid. Now, okay, now, okay, you are in a crowd of hungry people, and you're the smart one who held on to your lunch. <laughs> How are you feeling at this moment? Very intimidating. Very intimidating. Hey, boy, let me have your lunch. <laughs> Jesus needs it. Oh. What's he going to do? Okay, by the way, when Jesus says he needs something and you ask him what you're going to do with it, he doesn't give you an answer. Just going to tell you right up front. He never, like, when he told Moses, throw down the stick, he didn't say throw down the stick because it's going to turn into a snake. That's not how it works. Well, I will. All right, Lord. Tell me what kind of return I'm going to get on my investment. 
right? That no, no. When you get it, even into the hands of God, you don't get it back. Remember what happened when Gideon brought all that food? He was hoping to have a feast with the angel, and the angel goes, shaboom, gone. That was not how I saw this going. See, surrender and sacrifice, I give up the right of control. But in this crowd of 15,000, only one young boy had the wherewithal to surrender. Five loaves and two measly fish. I wanted, I wanted to get some dried fish for the Russians here because that's what it would have been. So five loaves. These might be big. So, uh, yeah, so this should be enough for here. Yeah, well, we can try just, you know, take a, you know, take a little bit, take a little bit. Here, here's, the, here's the reality. Seriously, seriously. Take a piece and pass it on. Take a piece and pass it on. Let's see if we can't get this to go. The distance. Take a piece and pass it on. Here, take a piece and pass it on. So, let's see if we can go the distance. See how much everybody can get we'll, our, with our 15,000. Maybe we'll have a miracle. Who knows? Who knows? But, you know, here's this, here's this, this boy has surrendered it to him. And I promise you, the disciples did not go, Behold, Lord, I offer to you these five loaves and two fish. I believe in you, Lord. You shall do a great and mighty miracle. What do you think their attitude at this point is? Sarcasm? Anger? Okay, God, Jesus, this has gone on long enough. Seriously, we need to make a decision. I don't know. It's still going. It's still going. Once everybody's gotten some bread, everybody, make sure every... Oh, yeah, say it. Wait, 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 wait. Just say it. Wait, wait. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. All right, everybody got it. Hold up your hand. Show me your piece. Wow. Some of y'all are having a, at least a snack. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Most of you guys are just having hors d'oeuvres. Okay. And that was not 15,000 people. I don't think we had multiplication, all those. Oh, we, it's keep going, keep going, keep going. All right. So it says, taking the five loaves and the two fish, you can eat it, by the way, if you want to. If you pray over it, it might become gluten-free. Um, take a said, then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the gra- green grass. What do you think the people are thinking at this point? We have more. We're sitting down. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, there's like, why are we sitting down in order? Like, oh, we'll be beginning the feeding program shortly. Right? (laughs) Now, here's the problem. They set them in order before the food multiplied. The woman got jars before the oil multiplied. So here's one of the things is, there is a moment of sacrifice, there's a moment of divine inventory, and then there's a moment of divinely guided activity before the miracle happens. That looks crazy. Five loaves, two fish. And then it says this amazing thing. He says, taking the five loaves and the two fish, 
looking up to heaven, he gave thanks. Who here, looking at five loaves and two fish and looking at 15,000 people is saying thanks? Yeah, or your bank account. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Do you guys remember when Jesus stood outside of Lazarus' tomb? He said, thank you, Father, because you hear me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Gratitude. Five loaves, two fish, and gratitude. And a plan ends up being greater than all these things. So one of the things when he says, what do you have in your hand? Some, some of what he's doing is gratitude. Because we don't honor what we have in our hands. We don't think it's enough. But we also don't honor the one who gave it to us in the first place. And it said... He broke the loaves, and then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. And he, now, I don't know how this happened, but this is my theory. He gave each of them a portion of that bread, like you, some of you got half. And, he, and those guys just went down the road just tearing them off. And as they did, I don't think it got any smaller. I don't think Jesus just sat there breaking bread for 43 hours. You know, no. And he also divided the two fish among 15,000 people. You can't even get a rib. <laughs> the number of men who had eaten was 5,000. So here's, you have this situation. You're sitting there going, wow, that's incredible. So next, I'm just going to do this story time. He said he immediately made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him. And a storm comes up. Now, whose idea was for them to cross to the other side of the lake? Jesus. Jesus. A storm comes up. If God sends you into the storm, is God freaked out? No. 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 But the disciples are. And God, Jesus has compassion on them because he goes out doing as you do, walking on the water. And it said they cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. They were more afraid of him than they were of the, of the water, but whatever. Immediately the storm, he spoke to them and said, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and they com were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves. Mm. What? <laughs> like what? The loaves float? We should have used them as flotation device? I don't know. What's going on here? Well, well, we'll keep going and you'll see it. A little bit later, chapter 8, here's where we're going to end. Verse 1, during those days another large crowd was gathered since they had nothing to eat Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion. Remember what happened? What did he say the last time? I have compassion. If God repeats himself, why do you think he repeats himself? I heard 43 things to the end of, so they get it because we weren't listening because we're slow. All of the above. He goes, I have, you can imagine going, I have compassion on the people. Oh, not again. You and your compassion. Okay. I talked about this last week. I, for so much of my life, I've gone out in public almost wrapped in, iron, in armor to protect myself because I don't have enough for other people. 
God's compassion goes, 15,000 people? Yeah, we can cover that. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away, he, he's already on top of them. He's already on, he knows your guys are going to tell him to go away. He says, if I send them away home hungry, they'll collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to eat? Anybody here, like, done a few remedial courses with Jesus? Like, you've done the same thing 12... Mm, anyway, I feel so much better. And Jesus goes, how many loaves do you have? This time they knew. This time they are, they're like, on it. Seven. Seven. There's 4,000 people. So, again, that's probably like 12,000. That's 4,000 men. So, you know, so, I don't know. Let's just knock it down to about $26,000. We've got how many loaves? Seven loaves. I don't know. Let's keep reading. And it says seven. So he told the crowd to sit down on the ground, and when he had given, taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples and distributed it to the people. And they did so. They had a few small fish as well. Aren't you glad even though they're not doing the inventory, God still uses it? Let me just say this. You do your inventory with the best of your surrender and your ability and trust God to make up the rest. He knows what you have even if you're not counting it. That vulnerability piece. And he said, they had a few small fish as well. And he gave thanks for them also. Small fish. I don't know. Like, were they goldfish? I don't know. Like, sardines. Like, like sardines, herring. You know, he's like, wow. <laughs> Who here? <laughs> Remember, what, 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 did, what did Gideon say? I'm the least, the smallest in my family. What was David? The smallest in his family. If you're a shrimp, he could still use you. Oh, good. In every area of our lives, things we totally discounted, he will use. If we surrender them. Can you surrender an empty refrigerator? Yes. That's good. Yeah, that's like an empty jar. Good. Well, so let me tell you what surrender means. Surrender means I don't get to decide what I do with it. Surrender means it's not mine anymore. <laughs> I want to surrender the emptiness inside of the refrigerator, but not the refrigerator. Okay, just me? All right. I don't get to choose what I do. We talked about this before. In the Old Testament, the tithe is 10%. In the New Testament, it all belongs to God. And it said, he broke, he, they had a few small fish as well, gave thanks for them also. And then they just, the disciples, it told the disciples to distribute them. Again, I can see them with their little fish going. The people ate and were satisfied. Let me ask you, your little piece of bread, if you ate it, are you satisfied? No. You're going to give a very bad Yelp review on this miracle. <laughs> Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces. 
Now, a little bit down, it says, it says that the, the Pharisees came and they wanted a sign. I have a question. What does a sign do? It points to something, right? If I see a sign that says Atlanta 50 miles, what does it mean? Atlanta 50 miles. A sign is meant to show me something. It's not just something to... So that's why miracles are called signs and wonders. They are signs that make us wonder. There's things that point to God that there's more going on. They're there to teach us. And the message, the Pharisees were not getting the message. So after the Pharisees leave, Jesus says, be careful and watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. Anybody here heard God say something or heard something even in a message? And you're like, I don't, I don't understand. You're not alone. So the disciples discuss one another with you know, I, I know this all the time. When I set you up for a question, you guys aren't ready because you all go blank. This was the disciples. They're like, I don't want to look like an idiot. And he goes, he goes, they discussed with each other and they said, is it, it's because we don't have bread. That's what he's talking about. The east of the Pharisees. By the way, that's not what Jesus is talking about. But I love that Jesus will meet them in their discussion. Aware of their discussion, Jesus said to them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have no eyes, but you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? But don't you? Remember, I will remember, I will not forget, bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget his benefits, his blessings, the things he has done. I will remember what he has done. Instead of worshiping at the idol of my lack and my problem, I will remember what he's done. Because in what he's done is the seed, he won't repeat himself, but the seed of the breakthrough I need today. Or maybe it's the breakthrough somebody else had, but he says this, he goes, he says, when I broke five loaves for 5,000, how many basketfuls did you pick up? Anybody want to read ahead? <laughs> twelve. So five loaves plus two fish equal more than enough plus 12 baskets of... Now, we don't know, but I've seen sometimes their are baskets like this high. Wow. wow, that's pretty good. You took five loaves and you ended up with 12 baskets full of bread. Wow. And when I broke up seven loaves for 4,000, how many baskets did you pick up? Seven. Now, I have a question for you math people. Uh, by the way, I, try, I actually did the math on this at one point to try to solve for X, which the X factor is God. Now, is there any correlation between how many loaves we start with in fish and how many baskets we end up with? No, right? Five, twelve, seven, seven. So what, what, what is he trying to say? There's no correlation between what you have and what he will do with it. So when we do our inventory, it's not so we can be impressed by our lack or be impressed by what we have. It's so we can surrender it fully to God. It doesn't matter what you bring him, he'll use it. But when you multiply anything by infinity, you get infinity. 
Once you add God to the equation, the equation goes out the window because God is moved by compassion. God is moved by his heart of love. God is going to do what he's going to do. And what he's saying is, it's not about how much you have, but it happens in the moment of surrender. It happens in the moment. It's not about what you have that determines what will be, but it's when you surrender what you have, you can receive what he has. And so my question for all of us, if you've begun to dream in this season to hear God for direction, you've begun to to sense him leading you into great things, if you think you can do it, A, either one, you're delusional, or B, you haven't heard the fullness of what God has for you. Because whatever God has for you, you can't do it. I'm always impressed. We young bucks, we go into marriage like, I can do this. And quickly discover we can't. We cannot. If God is calling you to something you think you can do it, you don't see correctly. Come on. I just want to give like a very practical um, example um, of my loaves and fishes, like in one little area and little and a dream that I stepped into. Just to start you thinking like more practically. So you all know like the, my whole dream about going and doing outreach at KSU, right? So for 10 years, I sat on it. And then God was like, okay, now is the time to step in. And guess um, what he used for it? My folding table, <laughs> my folding chairs, and some paints. Okay. So he will give a creative strategy to use just junk in my garage to begin. to begin moving in a dream. Okay? So that's like super practical, right? It's just something I already had. He gave a strategy. So we would set up a table and do art with students, right? So it's just something so insignificant, right? Who has folding table and folding chairs? Raise your hand. Like, did you ever think that that could be the instrument of, of Jesus to bring revival? <laughs> right? Come on. Some of us are like, wow, I have an apartment or I have a living room that I could invite people into. That's your thing. Come on. Right? I have a refrigerator. There is not much in it, but there is a can of tuna no. or whatever. Well, whatever you have. Imagine your own, right? Ice cubes. Ice cubes, I don't know what you're doing in your refrigerator, right? But it's like, it doesn't have to be this grandiose whatever. It could be a folding table and folding chairs and your willingness to risk. I'll give you another example. So we had this dream for a coffee house for eight years. Nothing was coming of it because every step of the way, who are my people? If you can't see the whole thing, you won't start. And so one of the things we kept running into is, um, you know, basically, if you know anything about espresso machines, they run from about $75 to $150, and then there's a leap to $3,000. There's nothing in between. That is of any, I mean, you can spend more money, but you don't get anything more until you hit the $3,000 mark. I'm like, we can't, and we don't even have an espresso machine. And and, uh, and we're like, well, we're just going to start. And Masha was like, I can give it to you for your birthday. I said, okay. So I got a $100 espresso machine for my birthday, and we used it on. 
Yeah, it, it, was, it was slow, but we got started, and, la- and Friday night was amazing. It was an amazing beginning. If I, if I, God will use, and what I didn't count on was all of y'all. I didn't count on your passion, your excitement, your energy, your service. But if we waited for the $3,000 espresso machine, we would never, ever do it. Well, and we, and I feel we, like it's a word for so many right now. Like you're waiting on that espresso machine, <laughs> like in whatever your area, whatever, whatever it means. And it's just not going to happen. You have to start with whatever you have. Come on. Well, and we didn't know how much excitement and passion y'all would have towards the coffee house until we stepped out. So here's my question for you. What is God calling you into in this season? We've talked about that 2024, that these first three months are months of fire. They're months of purification, of surrender, of laying down, of pruning. God, this was good in another season. You fed my family with this. But I give it to you. I give it to you. What is it that you have in your hand that he's saying, I, if you want to go where you're going, you've got to let that thing go. And part of that, you know, he picked the stick back up, but it was transformed. He picked the stick back up, but he still, he was no longer in charge. And so my question is, what is the more God's calling you to? And what is he put in your hand that he's calling you to lay down? Lay down, not just to meet your needs, but for more than enough in this season. If we could have the worship team come up. Thank you. I have to say it again. God's math is not our math. But I can tell you the only thing that is on our side of the equation is surrender. And the rest is Him. If we can stand up. Father, I ask right now that you would give us understanding of the dreams you have for us that are worth the cost to show us what we have in our hands to surrender. And Lord, you would begin to speak to us even about those plans to prepare to receive the fullness you have for us. In your beautiful name, amen. Thank you that the fear will not conquer us. It will not hold us back because we belong to you, Jesus. And everything we are and everything we have belongs to you, Jesus. If you can just pray with me right now, just say, Jesus, whatever he's been pointing out, just give him, just just give him that thing, what he's been pointing, pointing his finger on. Whatever your two loaves and fish, Whatever your folding table and chairs, just say, Jesus, here it is. Here it is. Here I am. Here I am, Jesus. I'm willing. Send me. I will go. As you're giving the strategy, Jesus, as you're giving us ideas, just practical, simple ideas, simple strategy, simple things. Jesus, we will not be impressed with our lack. I feel like for most of us, our two loaves and fishes is our time and energy so i feel like that's where the surrender is we just say jesus i just give you my time i give you my energy i give you my nights i give you my mornings (laughs) i give you my days wherever he's calling you 
um, to, to get up early, to stay up late, or to go and reach out to someone, whatever he is calling, just start saying yes. And in going and giving away, that's where the multiplication is going to happen. It's not going to happen. If we sit on it for another 10 years, nothing will shift. It will still, still be in lack. But as we go and as we start breaking that bread, as we start giving it away, as we start giving away our time, our resource, whatever it is, whatever he's put his finger on, that's where the multiplication is going to happen. That's as we risk it, well, that's where we're going to start seeing miracles. Jesus, we're believing. Help us not to be like disciples who have seen miracle after miracle after miracle and we're still living in lack. Forgive us, Jesus, for living in lack, for partnering with lack, for partnering with that system of belief that we don't have enough to give away. We just, just break it off of us right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, just, just break that off of yourself. Just say, no, Jesus, I will partner with you in multiplication, in plenty, in just this flow of life that you want to flow out of me into my entire neighborhood, into my entire school system, into my entire university, just whatever it is he's pointing out, into my, ooh, into my whole friend group. You just want to flow through me, Jesus, and you're giving me more than enough to accomplish every purpose you're calling me to. He has prepared everything for us, for every good work he has prepared in advance. Do not focus on the on your equation of what disqualifies or the lack but what qualifies you God is with you as you go this morning God is going with you into the area he's calling you to in Jesus name in Jesus name if the ministry teams can come up if you need prayer and ministry for anything if you are just shaken in your boots about this idea that Jesus is calling you out, this whole thing he's calling you out, and you're saying, wow, I really don't have enough. Just come and let them pray for you. Come and let them just bless and prophesy over you and just pray over you. Oh, but just share with someone what you're dreaming into, what he's calling you, where how he's stretching you. Don't, don't just carry it in your heart. Share it with someone. And just have an amazing, amazing week. We love you guys. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So good. For more information, go to AriseLife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.